Thank you, Jeff. Well, it's my understanding that this is the smartest, the, you are the smartest. It's not good if I make an intelligence comment and I don't know how to speak English. It's my understanding that you are the smartest students at North Central. And also the most spiritual. Here's how I know this to be true. Everybody else is studying for finals, but you're already, you know all of your material. <clears throat> Either that or you know none of it, and you know you need a miracle from God today. <laughs> so you were like, you know what? I can't learn everything in an hour, but I'll give it to him. And uh, we're going to believe with you for a miracle today that uh, God will help you. But it's great to be here. Thanks so much for coming to this mandatory chapel. And uh, I brought some of our staff pastors with us today. I couldn't even get all of our pastors that we pay to come with me today. So uh, I'd like to thank those that I love, that love me, that came here today. So we got a few of them, other church guys. Yeah, Harrison, you're both. You're a student and staff. Our pastors, would you guys stand? Just want to thank you guys for coming. Can we say thank you to them as well? Appreciate you guys. They didn't really have a choice because I said I don't want to go alone, but uh, thanks so much, uh, Jeff. It's always fun to be with you, and uh, what a great friend and church member. President Hagen, we love North Central. We love what God is doing here at North Central. In fact, we proved it, and a month or two ago, we gave you our bus, and so uh, we had heard word that inflation had kind of taken up. So if you play sports, like sports, have a friend that's ever spelled sports, uh, we just wanted to say we believe in you. Really, we're, we're grateful for President Hagen. I believe really our finest uh, university president in our fellowship. But we believe in you. And that's really why we're here today. In fact, I was supposed to host and train um, a few dozen pastors at our church at noon. And um, when Jeff and President Hagen said, hey, can you come preach at our chapel? I told those pastors, you're already pastors, you'll be fine, uh, it's an honor to come and just pour into you guys here in finals week, and uh, so we're grateful to be here, thanks for coming, and um, I, I received specific instructions uh, from Josh, Joshua, whichever he goes by, it was an email that I got, they said, don't talk about anything controversial. And so I am a man under authority, so I hope this is not controversial. But recently, it seems as though this topic has become controversial. And I want to talk to you today about the church. It seems as though there are many in our world, perhaps even pastors, that throughout COVID seem to indicate that the gathering of saints, this is not a referendum on online or in person. So I'm just saying, in America, it seems as though we've individualized our faith to the point that we've believed a lie that we don't need one another. And so uh, I, I'm grateful that you're here. You're the most smartest students. That's bad English again. But uh, <laughs> I did graduate, by the way. I do have a degree from Northwest, which is a sister school of North Central. It's in Seattle where I grew up. But uh, I want to talk to you about the church. As I'm reading through the book of Acts, or I was preaching through the book of Acts to our church, I noticed there was two key components to the church. It was always that people were belonging and they were becoming. Two things that I think our world in America has minimized over these last few years, that, that you don't really need to belong to anybody else, but the truth is we're feeling the effects of being disconnected from one another. But we also must 
be becoming, becoming more like Christ. So today I want to share a few verses from 1 Kings in chapter 8. I've titled the message because I don't know what to do besides teach. I'm a teacher at heart even though I don't have my doctorate, but uh, I just, I have 20 minutes and I'm going to still give you four points because that's who I am, but they'll be quick because I know the time and I see it right there in big letters. I want to talk about the exalted house. 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 10, the Bible says, and it came to pass when the priests came out of a holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord. So much so, see, this has been my prayer this year. I've been captivated by the glory of the Lord. It says, so much so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud. One of the things that I'm praying for our churches, for you here today, is that we would have an encounter with God, that the glory of the Lord would return to His church in a demonstrable way that we couldn't go about our business the same way again. It says, because the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Isn't that sad that you could be in the house of the Lord and not experience the glory of the Lord? Probably a description of many of our churches. It says, then Solomon spoke, the Lord said he would dwell in the dark cloud, and I've surely built you an exalted house, a place for you to dwell in forever. Can you pray one more time with me here this morning? Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we've been given to lift high the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. We ask that you would continue to have your way in this place. Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you're saying to each and every one of us and help everybody get better grades because they came to chapel today and everybody said, amen, amen. I know, I know where... You're living. Now, this message is not intended to say uh, that if you ever miss church or chapel, that you can't go to heaven. That's a scare tactic. That's a fear-based tactic that some pastors have used and, and uh, those kind of things. I'm not referring to that. But I do think if we're not careful in America, because you have great access here even at North Central to chapel, to Christian fellowship, Christian community, to churches, we have church choice available to us. If we're not careful, we'll take for granted the gathering of the saints that we're even experiencing here today. It's one of the things I've noticed the longer I've served him. I, I, I'm, I'm a church kid. My great-great-grandparents helped start the Assemblies of God in Hot Springs, Arkansas. My great-grandfather was there. They were three of the very first 300 people that said, we want to form this great fellowship known as the Assemblies of God. My great-grandpa was a district superintendent, came to pastor in Minnesota in 1946. My grandfather was Bible college president at Trinity. My father's a district superintendent. I'm a pastor. My kids will be a pastor because they don't really have a choice in our family. We're not really sure how else to pay the bills besides talk, you know. <laughs> but you can be around church. You can be in the temple and miss the glory of God. You can take for granted. I remember when I was in, in college, it was so easy for me to enjoy extra moments of prayer with friends on the basketball team or after chapel services or living in the dorm because my schedule allowed repeated interactions with other believers. And the truth is, I grew up and I got married and I had kids and I had a job. And if I'm not careful myself, I can take for granted even an assignment to come and share with you. But we can all, with great fear and trembling, look forward to every time that we gather together. So although there are many who 
appear to not think that the church, the gathering of the saints, spiritual meetings matters. I, I noticed four things in 1 Kings chapter 8 that I think we all need. Myself as a pastor and President Hagen, everybody else, every student, I believe we all need these places. And the first one was a place of prayer. This is what should happen every time we're in church, every time we're chapel, when we're meeting together with other saints. I'm not here to argue for a physical building or location or service time. I'm just saying we need Christian community because we need a place of prayer. First Kings chapter 8 and verse 28 says, O Lord, listen to the cry and the prayer which your servant is praying for you, before you today. I don't want to be a professional Christian that ever moves beyond praying to God. It doesn't matter how much I've learned, how much I think I know, what we've figured out on our own. We are all continually, I told our staff this on Tuesday, we don't pray just when we don't know what to do. But how many people know that's pretty often? <laughs> it's also very important to pray when we do know what to do. Because prayer says this isn't about us, it's about him. We're not relying on our own strength, our own wisdom, our own understanding. When we pray, we're saying, God, we need you. When we don't know what to do, we need you. When we do know what to do, we need you. When we've studied for our finals exams, we need you. <laughs> and if we haven't studied, Lord, we've needed you now, right? We, we need. And, and I don't ever want to take for granted the blessed opportunity that we have when we get together with even one or two other believers to pray, to present our requests to God. We can now boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence. What a joy and privilege it is that we get to pray. And could it be that we've seen diminished glory in many churches across our nation, in many Christians' lives around our nation because we've seen diminished prayer lives amongst the believers. Because we've gained information, we've gained knowledge, we have technological advances, and yet we've advanced, or so we've thought, beyond needing the power of prayer. If we want to see the glory of God in the temple of God, if we want to experience His presence in real, intangible ways, I submit to you, brothers and sisters, this morning, I'm way too young to say that, I'm 40 now, I said, brothers and sisters, I don't know what I was doing, but we need a place of prayer. Perhaps you would pray in advance, even before these chapels, that God would give you a word for someone else, that God would give you an encouragement for the people that would be gathered. Another place that we all need is a place of forgiveness, a place of forgiveness. Verse 34 said, forgive the sin of your people Israel and bring them back to the land you gave to their fathers. In America, we've made a big deal about the personal nature of our relationship with God. And I, I agree, it's definitely something. We cannot rely upon the faith of our parents, aunts, uncles, professors, pastors, anybody else. It's got to be a personal decision. But we've, we've uh, minimized, really, the communal nature of our faith. Our brothers and sisters around the world understand this in a much better way than we practice readily here in our nation, that, that it's a personal matter. What I do is between me and God. And, and yet when we read Scripture... We always see this idea, this context of community. That we make a decision for ourselves, but it's never lived by ourselves. 
that we need one another. And forgiveness, we all need a place to learn how to walk in forgiveness. Especially in a day where we can swipe and move on. My son the other day watched a YouTube fishing video for 12 seconds and said it was boring and he moved on. I said, son, 12 seconds, I haven't even greeted everybody in 12 seconds. Maybe that's why my 13-year-old said, dad, we don't want to listen to you, we want a youth pastor. So we hired somebody, it's great. But we need to learn how to, and community helps us walk in forgiveness. Instead of just being hurt, offended, and, and leaving and, and moving on, I think Christian community helps us learn how to work through some things together. And here's the important thing about forgiveness that I think we're missing in these days is that there's no need for forgiveness if there was no sin. So why is that a big deal? Because we're in a time where we want to mislabel sin as an oopsie, an accident, uh, you know, I, it's your opinion, whatever those are. But friends, if there is no sin, then there was no reason for our Savior to die. Sin was and is a huge deal. And when we gather, forgiveness can only happen when there's repentance it's important that we confess our sins to one another, as James said, right, and pray for each other so that we'll be healed. I, I think it's important that we label our sinful behavior. People need to know what we are repenting of. People need to know where, what it is specifically. I'll never forget uh, the, the fear that I walk in being recognized in different places. It's often that, that around our town or regional church or uh, offices that I hold for the Sims of God, people around the country, I'll run into them in different places. And the truth is, I wish I could tell you that my greatest fear would be hurting the heart of my Father in heaven by committing a sinful act. But I confess to you this morning an even greater fear. It's not spiritually accurate, but I'm just admitting to you it's that somebody else will see me commit that sin and I'll get in trouble. And I live with a constant awareness that I'm being watched. It was a, a few months ago. I don't even remember where I was going, where he was coming. I was walking through the Atlanta airport and President Hagen said, Derek? <laughs> I was like, oh, well, President Hagen, how's it going? <laughs> Just walking through the airport. I, I think as sin has become more private, we have access to sinful activities, behaviors, and lifestyles, decisions. There's something about bringing things back to the surface. We need a place of forgiveness. Another thing that I, I see continued in 1 Kings chapter 8 is that we need a place of provision. Some of you are like, we're college students, we need it. Yet, yeah, this is a good spot for you, even the Lutheran students, to say amen. Uh, um, some of you didn't get that. All the Lutheran students thought amen, but they didn't say it, okay? That was a Pentecostal joke. You'll get it later. I'll help you. It's not a problem. But, but this is what we see here, that provision is available. And, and he says in uh, verse 36, send rain on your land, which you have given to your people as and inheritance. I wish all of our provision was just the bank account miraculously getting bigger, but here is something that I noticed is that rain requires work. Now, rain doesn't actually require work, but rain provides the conditions by which we need to work in order to bring in the harvest. And so we, we need a place where provision can happen. And I, I have seen that so many times within the household of faith where people are blessed and they help and they share and it's a great thing because the clock keeps going and I still have 
one more point, and I still want to have the team pray, uh, and I'm going to amaze myself by finishing on time. I was going to say early, but it won't be early. Uh, don't get carried away. It, it needs to be a place of sacrifice. I, I, the reason it's important for me to end is not only it's uh, according to, chronological according to the text, but I, I think we've probably seen and felt enough of the effects of church Christian teaching that focuses on place of provision and it's omitted the, the reality of a place of sacrifice. You, you can receive provision in a lot of areas, but there's something about the household of faith that calls us to a place of sacrifice. First Kings chapter 8, verse 62, Then the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifices before the Lord. Abraham, when he went to sacrifice his son, he called it worship. David said he won't offer to God that which costs him nothing. There's something about a sacrifice, a costly sacrifice. It's what inspired me this morning, even as we were lifting our voices in song, worship, sacrifice of praise to God, because no matter if it's cold outside or not, it's winter in Minnesota, it's going to be cold now. Whether you've got all the final things ready, there was an atmosphere of sacrificial worship that said, whether I got a good grade earlier, I know he's worthy. And this, I love this, it said, the king and all Israel with him. Could it be that we've lost an atmosphere of worship in our churches of sacrifice because our leaders have lost it? So I'm grateful to see your leaders here this morning in finals week. and Because as the leaders go, so the body goes. And you have wonderful godly leaders here at this great university. But it needs to be a place of sacrifice. And I love this. I read the text. I couldn't find anywhere that they were required to offer these sacrifices. The Bible says that they offered uh, 22,000 bulls, 120,000 sheep. And on the same day, they consecrated the middle of the court that was in front of the house of the Lord, for there he burnt, offered burnt offerings, grain offerings, and fat of the peace offerings. A lot of offerings. <laughs> Even televangelists thought that was too many offerings. Because the bronze altar, that was another joke. You missed it. That's okay, though. Welcome back to chapel. Because the bronze altar that was before the Lord was too small to receive the burnt offerings, the grain offerings, and the fat of the peace offerings. What do we see in this text? The sacrifice of the people was greater than the systems that were in place. If we want to know how to bring about change in our nation, if we want to know, this is not a you need to be in church statement. This is a I'm a pastor. We need you to be part of the church statement. If we want to bring about change, we will need greater sacrifice than our current system is built for. So what does that mean? It's not another offering. You know, it's not, I'm not asking you to sign it. It's will you live a life of sacrifice. This is, uh, I just wrote down simply, make this your life a place for God to dwell. In the Old Testament, we read in Kings, they were dedicating the temple. That's what this passage is about. And that was the place that God would dwell. It, it was an exalted house. 
In Revelation, we read that God will dwell, Revelation 21.3, I wrote it down. God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he dwells with us. So we're somewhere between 1 Kings chapter 8 and Revelation 21. So where do we find ourselves today? In this New Testament style of belief, it's Ephesians chapter 2 and 22. This is why we need one another. This is why I can't sit back quietly when people say, oh, the church has seen her best day. Oh, there's no need for one another. What did Paul say to the church in Ephesus? Chapter 2 and verse 22. He said, we are being built together. That's why it's dangerous to live life on your own. That's why you ought to be grateful to be in such an environment like this here at North Central. But if you're a senior about to graduate and whatever's happening next week or another semester or two or three years, here's what I know. You will eventually be done. I wanted to say you will eventually graduate, but that's between you and your professors. You will eventually be done, and it's going to be important that you don't go through life alone because he said we're being built together. Maybe you're here, you're like, I don't really need the church. I'm telling you, we need you. You may be fine on your own, but, but when I read the Bible, it says we're being built together. So if we're missing you, we're missing out. That's something that hurts as a pastor of multiple generations. Our churches cannot reflect the fullness of the glory of God without you. We need you. Don't give up on us older folk. 40 and under is my category still. <laughs> says we're being built together to become a dwelling in which God's spirit lives. My encouragement to you simply is, are you willing to be built together? Are you willing to share what God has deposited in you <laughs> with the person you're seated next to? Are you willing to use the gifts, talents, abilities, the grace giftings on your life? Will you be built together for the glory of God? Because we need to make our lives the place for his glory to dwell. I'm so grateful that he's not contained to the temple. I'm so grateful that we don't have to wait for Sunday or a once-a-year opportunity. We, 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 we can bring the glory of God to a gas station when somebody's pumping gas. We can bring the glory of God in a grocery store, in a classroom. But we've got to be built together. So my plea to you is not go to a church. But I mean, I hope you do. But will you live like his church every day? Will you be built together? Relationally, emotionally, but most of all, spiritually. If you're going through a great season, help somebody that's low. If you're in a low season, look for somebody. Ask the Holy Spirit. Send somebody to encourage because we're being built together. Amen? If you're able, would you stand to your feet? I want to pray and for our last 33 seconds. <laughs> and the team will play. And as you go to your classes or pray, whatever your schedule allows, we'll just allow the Holy Spirit to do what only He can do. But Father... We come once again. We offer ourselves to you. Pastors, professors, students, whatever our role is here in the place, we offer our lives to you. We don't want to go through this life on our own. It's not enough just to experience you for ourselves, but we need what we experience in this place to go impact every place. 
So Father, I ask that you would build us all together, young and old, rich and poor, light and dark, each and every situation. Would you build us together? Would you make us all a place for your glory to dwell? For Father, we recognize that we cannot afford to go another generation without your glory in your temple. So God, I pray for continued blessing upon this place, North Central University. I pray your continued favor upon each and every student and staff member. I pray that you'd continue to do what only you can do so that one day each and every tribe and tongue will be represented around the throne. So that one day those who've never heard will hear and they will surrender their life to you, Lord Jesus. So we say, build us together, whatever major, whatever background, build us together to make a difference in your kingdom, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. So if you need to go, this is a time to go. If you have opportunity to stay and pray as the team leads in song, respond however it is that you feel like allowing the Holy Spirit to seal the work that he's done here today. But let's offer our lives to him today.